change. She would go hours, speechless. Some days, in clear weather, he would come in from the field to meet her outdoors, standing staring over the prairie as though there were something to see. She slept restless, she was cranky, she picked at her plate, she had headaches. Proud of her hair once, black once, cut and washed and brushed like clockwork, she let it grow long and gray and dirty. The girl said some days she would sweep the house out three times, letting in the cold, but other days he would enter to find her hindsight on a chair, throwing her eyes around. She fretted him. He studied her and was minded of warbles. A worm under her skin, inside her, was sucking out the strong, cheerful, loving wife she had been, and there was no coal oil for that. A worm? The baby? Vester and Theoline Belknap lay beside each other in bed on the haytick, listening. It was night in early March, and that afternoon the wind had switched to blow warm from the south, warm enough to let the fire go out in the stove after supper. It was raining, heavy. The sod and hay and pole and dirt roof of a sod house wouldn't turn much water. Small streams of muddy water poured down into the four buckets they had placed before retiring. Rain was a tussle between sleep and mud. Unless the buckets were emptied out the door, often in the morning the dirt floor was a bog. They listened. Far off, the coyotes yapped. Nearby, on the other side of the quilt, behind them, hung up to partition a third of the house for a back bedroom, one of the girls spoke in her sleep. There were three girls left at home after they had to send Loney away. Junia was eight, Aggie six, and Vernell four. The house was built of sod blocks, three feet long and a foot wide, turned up out of virgin prairie sod by a breaking plow behind the oxen, and laid side by side to form a wall three feet thick. Measured on the inside, the house was eighteen feet long and fifteen wide. It had one wooden door on rope hinges that would not close tight, and one glass window, framed, through which they couldn't see because it was so wavery. Behind the quilt was the girls' bed, and before it was what they called the front room, where they all lived. At meals, they sat around a sawhorse table, father and mother in the two chairs nearest the stove, one girl on a cracker box, and two girls on the side of their parents' bed. Line's other furnishings were few. She had two shelves, pegged into the sod wall for cutlery, cooking utensils, and dishpan, and a small cloth-fronted cupboard for salt and saleratus and rye coffee and such— Finally, there was the trunk she had brought when they came out west three years ago, containing her valuables. A hat she had never worn. A dress of real silk she was saving for her daughter's weddings. A Bible. Daguerreotypes of her dear mother and father back in Kentucky, in heaven now. A tortoiseshell comb. Her sewing basket. A looking glass into which she couldn't bear to look. Letters from home. Her wedding ring. And the seven dollars she had earned sewing for Mary B. When are you due? he asked. She moved, trying to make herself comfortable. She was big and the haytick was lumpy. Two weeks, she said. They lay in the dark, listening to the buckets and the warm wind blow over the world. By and by, Vester said he had made up his mind. This was the third thaw, and this being March, he believed it would hold. They had her seven dollars to their name. They must have food or go hungry seed for a crop or go broke. He said he intended to ride to Loop early in the morning and sign a chattel mortgage at the bank, take the money and buy food, order and pay in advance for seed, 
pick up their mail at the store, and be home by dark or thereabouts. She lay silent a spell, worrying about a chattel mortgage, he reckoned, the homesteader's plague, and he was dozing off when she spoke, suddenly rousing him. You leave me and the babe you'll come. Line, I have to go. It'll be cursed. Come daylight, Vester got up and dressed and went to the stable to feed the stock and saddle his horse. Line got up and dressed and started a fire in the stove and went to the outhouse. On return, she emptied the buckets and waked the girls and, standing in mud, made corn dodgers. All she had left was cornmeal, which she mixed with water until it was too thick to run, then fried. She made extra enough for herself and the girls later. Vester came in, and she used the last of her sorghum molasses on his dodgers and the last of her coffee, which was rye parched brown, for two cups for him. He guaranteed again he'd be...